Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. Well, it is really fun, isn't it, to uh, be all together in one place uh, again uh, for a change. This doesn't happen very often, and um, we just appreciate your flexibility, especially those who would normally be in Woking or at the evening service, parents dropping your kids off earlier than usual, and so on. Uh, but we, we did this because uh, we just thought this is an important day in the year for us all to be together and to think about the vision. This is uh, really the culmination of a four-month process in which we have been um, uh, praying and asking the Lord, you know, what do you want to do? What are you saying? Where are we going? And um, uh, the amazing thing is that whenever we ask God, he seems to speak. And then when he speaks, we make a plan and we cost it up and uh, uh, we budget uh, because we're committed to not just surviving, but to growing. We, we're, we're people on a mission together, a family on a mission. And, uh, and then we come to you at Vision Sunday and we say, okay, this is what we think God's saying. When I say we, this is a process that elders have been praying, the trustees, the staff team. We've got this uh, new um, gathering twice a year, family business meetings, pulling together those of you saying, this, this church isn't just something I attend. This is my heart. This is my passion. I'm in. Uh, I want to be uh, committed in any way at all. And so at lots of different levels, we've been seeking the Lord. And uh, so I'm just going to try and present a little bit of, of uh, where we've been and uh, where we sense we're going. And then we're going to take up an offering for those of you who are excited and would like to contribute to um, the vision. A few uh, months ago, we were gathered as a family around our kitchen table for dinner. And there was, uh, Sammy had uh, cooked and had created a, a, a fantastic feast and it was my turn to say grace, to give thanks to God as we normally do. And so we all closed our eyes and I said, Lord, we, we just thank you for this amazing meal that you've provided, for the wonderful food you've laid before us today. And we all had our eyes closed. I can only guess that Sammy was feeling particularly unappreciated that day. Because there I was thanking God and I distinctly heard her voice say, you're welcome. <laughs> Sometimes it can feel like that, can't it? It's like, why does God have to get all the glory? <laughs> well, we are here today absolutely to thank God for the amazing things he's doing in our midst, but also, of course, to thank uh, you, those of you who give regularly, about half of the church regularly gives to the vision. Uh, we want to thank the volunteers. Many of you just give time. 275 people in this church regularly giving uh, time in all sorts of different capacities. Thank you for your prayers. And so we're just full of gratitude. And so before I talk about sort of where I think we're heading, I want us just to pause and to reflect on where we've been, what's happened over the last 12 months. And it was a year ago that we gathered for the, the last Vision Sunday and we sense God speaking to us through that beautiful verse, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 
8, where God says, Behold, I place before you an open door that no man, no woman can shut. And we sense God saying, There is a, a door of opportunity, a, a door of new possibilities that I've opened before you, and I'm calling you uh, this year, 2017 into 18, to step through that door. And uh, we have stepped through that door in many ways and very exciting ways over uh, the last year. Every area of the church, without exaggeration, is growing. There is new life everywhere. Our kids work, our youth work, our, our, our work with students, our, our um, evening service, our woking congregation. Here, uh, the, uh, there's just life everywhere that we, we look. And uh, I want to focus on one or two particular areas. We have massively increased our investment into social transformation over the last year. Our work with the poor and the marginalized, it has been the great joy of the year to uh, draw the lighthouse right into the heart of, 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 of this church and to have Eric and Rebecca Jesperson coming uh, on, on, on staff uh, to head up social transformation. And uh, it has just been extraordinary. The statistics actually uh, speak for themselves. Um, there are 14 people who volunteer weekly at Vaughan House amongst the homeless. Uh, there are, I think, 40 people who come along to the Monday night dinners for vulnerable adults. There are 95 people who were fed on Christmas Day at the Lighthouse. Uh, Jigsaw, which is one of the projects at the Lighthouse, has clothed and kitted out 474 children uh, this year. The Woking Food Bank, again at the Lighthouse, fed nearly 3,000 people and processed 25 tons of food this year. Six of the people we baptized this year, uh, we first connected with through our community outreach work. And Jazz, Eric, Rebecca, many of you just do the most brilliant job. Uh, it's amazing. We've got Jackie Pullinger with us in a few days' time. She again and again is challenging us and saying to us, the gospel must be outworked amongst the poor and the marginalized. That's where God's heart particularly lies. And we have, uh, we're not there yet. There's always more to do. I'll share more about that in a moment. But we have colossally increased uh, our investment, it, partly in response to the word God gave us two years ago about this rescue boat. And God saying, you know, the rescue boat belongs in the water. Don't admire it. Don't applaud it. There are people drowning. And, and, and so we are seeking to be those who make a measurable difference amongst those who are finding life really difficult. But also uh, this year, as well as this very significant increase in our investment in, in work amongst the marginalized. Uh, we've planted two churches, uh, as uh, you know. And uh, so it's been an absolute dream to have uh, Josh and Emma Heather come and, and join us uh, this year. Next slide, please. There they are. Uh, and um, with, with Jackson. And it, it, it feels like they've been around forever. Uh, in fact, someone said to me two nights ago, totally unsolicited, they came up to me and said, 
Uh, I just want to thank you for, and you always think, oh, this is great. What are they going to say? I just want to thank you for Josh and Emma Heather. They are brilliant leaders. My faith is coming alive. I just, you know, they, they, this person was just raving about their leadership. And so it's hard to believe, but the, the, the church in Woking was only planted nine months ago. But as you know, people have come to know Jesus. It's growing beautifully. It's launched youth work. Kids are coming in off the street. Josh is already talking about having to move to a new venue because they can't fit anymore. And uh, it's just wonderful. So Woking, we love you. You are no longer something on the side of this church. You are right at the heart. Uh, you're as much Emmaus as Guildford or anywhere else. And it's one family. And we just, we love you guys and what God is doing there. Yes. And as well, you know, for many churches to plant one church would be a big deal, but somehow or other, uh, we managed to plant two churches uh, last year, and uh, so it's been so exciting to see the work uh, absolutely flourishing uh, in Ibiza. Uh, there, as I say, amazing to have Liz Lynn with us today. Uh, on Easter Day, three uh, Ian Nicholson preached, uh, and uh, they had a barbecue on the beach, and three people were baptized. The, these are people, let me be clear, coming to know Jesus because we have gone that would not have come to know Jesus if we had not gone. That's just one of the reasons that our vision is not to just get bigger and bigger and bigger in one place, but to keep going and keep planting because we are on a mission. We're not in the game of playing church. We, we, we are in the game of joining in with God's mission as church. And we want to reach people. We, we want people to know Jesus can forgive them. We want people to know Jesus is a Alive, that he can heal them, he can help restore their families. We want to see family trees changed. We want to see the poor and the broken cared for and loved. We are passionate about this. We are ambitious for the glory of Jesus in this region and in the nations. And uh, so we're going to keep doing this. And um, a great picture there, isn't it, of, of, of Dave punching the air. Uh, fortunately, not punching the, the chap getting <laughs> baptized although I'm sure it has happened. Um, Dave sent me a text message. Let me just uh, read this to you. And yes, of course, it's costly. It's cost us a bunch of money, you know. It's a much better business model, or just to become an enormous one church. By the way, those of you who think business is much better. It's much more expensive to, to, to diversify it. Like this. And it's emotionally difficult. Dave and Liz are founding leaders of this church. It's painful. We miss them. But we've got to do it because we're on a mission. So anyway, Dave sent me this text message. Um, uh, he was, he'd been talking about the fact they'd been running Alpha. They've got 10 guests on it. Seven of them are, are Spanish. He said, so many prodigals and new believers are coming along right now. It is spinning our heads. Remember, this is the island that the Daily Mail uh, labeled Sodom and Gomorrah. And we thought, good, let's go. Uh, so many prodigals, new believers coming along right now, it's spinning our heads. One of the Spanish ladies in our Bible study group became a follower of Jesus in February. Everyone on our Alpha Day in March was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone. Good ratio. Uh, two guys who aren't Christians said they felt completely different. A man who regularly meditates said he had actually never felt so much peace before. Then this morning we had our first full talk in Spanish 
translated into English, and a lady who had tried to stop us barbecuing on the beach on Easter Day came along and gave her life to the Lord Jesus. Isn't that great? Isn't that just... You want to talk about babies getting born? Babies are getting born. And so as well as increasing this year our investment in social transformation, as well as planting new churches, uh, we've just seen an enormous growth you know, here in, 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 in Guildford and right across Emmaus, we have grown by 36% over the last year, as well as planting two uh, churches. All the services are, are, are growing. A couple of them are bursting at the seams. Um, the Alpha uh, course that we run here in, 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 in Guildford has, as you've heard, doubled in size in the last year. This is significant and important for lots of reasons. Some people say, oh, you're only growing because people are transferring from other churches. And one of the most important statistics to bear in mind, therefore, is that whilst the church grew at 36%, our Alpha course grew at 100%. Uh, we are growing through mission. We're, of course, people come to us sometimes uh, from other churches, especially when they move into the region. We don't encourage it, but we understand sometimes God joins hearts and God brings people into new environments and seasons move on. But primarily, we are focused on the poor and the lost. And so that kind of uh, growth that we've seen in Alpha this year uh, is extraordinary. I mean, just, just to grow a little bit, but to grow by 100% is off the charts. And this is a bit cheesy, but, you know, my wife cooks great meals, and sometimes I thank God instead of her. She also runs Alpha, and I'm very grateful to God. But can we just say well done to Sammy and, and the team who, who, who run Alpha? So, so now... Um, they're very nervous, but Amy and Verity, can you come up? They, you have no idea how nervous these two are, but uh, I, I, they're just two of the people who've done Alpha uh, in, in the last year. We're going to introduce another one to you in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but I just wanted to ask them a couple of questions. So uh, this is Verity, and this is uh, Amy. And first of all, just both of you, just tell us why on earth did you do a thing like Alpha, Verity? Um. Well, I grew up as a Christian, and then in my teens, like, just sort of the rug got pulled out from under me, and I turned away from it and disconnected from it, so um, slowly kind of was coming back to faith, and yeah, I chose to go to Alpha. Brilliant. So Alpha was kind of your on-ramp back into really coming, coming home to Jesus, having been, been away. How about you, Amy? Um, I've always been an atheist, and my ex was Christian. When I fell pregnant, he thought, obviously, before we dedicate our son that I should learn more about it um Danny Adam um, <laughs> encouraged me to go to Alpha learn a lot more and now I'm hooked and that, isn't that cool where's Danny gone can't see him hello Danny uh, amazing you're 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 hooked in a good a uh, good way obviously Tell me a little bit about when did the penny drop? When did it start to sort of make sense for you? Was there a, a, a particular moment, Verity? Um, well, I did two alphas, and then the first one I didn't really get that much out of it. So I went and did it again, and then like the second time around, like, the lights just came on, and I'm back. Yeah. It's amazing how many people do alphas several times. Um, Amy, on that subject, you said you got hooked. How many alphas have you actually done now? Five. 
as they say, she's an alcoholic. And uh, it's terrible, I know. Um, when, when there was a moment, I know there was a particular moment for you, wasn't there, when it all sort of came together and started to make sense from having been an atheist. T tell us what, what happened, Amy. Um, it was on the Holy Spirit Day. Um, so it's like an alpha away day. It's really relaxed sort of environment. Um, we're in a room all praying for the Holy Spirit. And my chest started really hurting. And I couldn't explain it. I was like, I'm so much pain. At that moment, the lady in front of me, never met her before, um, she started saying that someone in the room wasn't letting Jesus into their heart. And I immediately knew that she was talking about me. Um, and as soon as I sort of opened my heart, the pain went away and burst into tears was really emotional. And that's when I kind of knew. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, what, what difference has that made? What difference has Jesus made in, in your life, Amy? I don't feel alone anymore, and I've got more courage than I ever knew I could have. <laughs> Amazing. Have you dedicated your baby yet? Not yet, no. <laughs> okay, I think, I think it's, the time is ripe, isn't it? So obviously not this morning. It's quite a lot to do this morning, but um, uh, just for Bill panics. Um, and... and Verity, what would you say to somebody who was maybe here thinking about doing Alpha or thinking about maybe inviting friends? It can be quite a scary thing to do to do Alpha. What would you say to them? Um, I think, well, I didn't go to Alpha to find out about Christianity, but I think that there was something about going back to basics that really just helped me kind of reconnect with it. And I just think that it's just such a great environment. Like, the food's amazing. I have a dietary requirement that they look after me. Um, and it just... They're just so, it's just so supportive. It's just a great group, and the leaders are amazing. I just think that anyone can, anyone of any faith and, or level of faith can go and just get something out of it. Brilliant. Amen, indeed. Aren't these two great? They were really scared. Well done. Thank you so much, guys. Just before we move on, I just want us to very consciously give thanks to God. Um, I think it's quite important to do that, isn't it? And um, I thought we might just use a psalm. So if you're able to do so, let's stand together. And Psalm 100 is going to come up on, on, on the screen here. And I'd love us just to read these ancient 3,000-year-old words together and, and thank God for what he's done amongst us over the last year. So let's go. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. Do be seated. So looking back, there's lots to give thanks to God for. But what now as we look ahead to the coming year? What does it mean for, you know, that oak tree to drop 
its acorns for that baby to be born. And the Lord has been really speaking to a number of us through a particular Bible story I'd like us to look at together. I believe this is a key passage for us throughout this coming year. We're going to be doing a little series on it, including in collectives. And this is Genesis chapter 26. And it is the uh, passage about Isaac, the son of Abraham, uh, digging wells. So we're going to read Genesis 26, verses 18 to 25. Genesis 26, 18 to 25. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, The water's ours. So he named the well Essek because they disputed with him. And then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also, so he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it, and so he named it Rehoboth, which means uh, the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba, and that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I will bless you and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. And Isaac built an altar there, and he called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Isaac is being blessed by God in extraordinary ways. You shouldn't be surprised because Abraham had promised to bless the nations. Uh, through his offspring, and it was all on Isaac, the, 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 the miraculously born son. But as well as being blessed, he is being contested by man. Every well he digs, uh, someone comes and claims it. Maybe your life sometimes feels like that. You, you know, you feel like God's blessed you, and then it gets contested. Uh, uh, Sandy Miller, Bishop Sandy Miller, always used to say, um, no blessing goes uncontested. You know, you get healed of one thing, and then you seem to develop another illness. God miraculously gives you a great new job, and then you get the job, and shock, horror, it's quite difficult. Um, You have kids, it's the greatest miracle and gift of your life, and then you discover that um, it's not easy. (laughs) Uh, um, You know, you, you get free from an addiction, and then you stupidly slip back into into it. And every blessing somehow seems to get contested. And uh, Isaac was certainly experiencing that reality. But God appears to him in Beersheba and blesses him. And he does three bits of construction. It's very practical. He, uh, verse 25 says, Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent and his servants dug a well. Isaac builds altars pitches a tent, and he digs wells. And I want to think about those three uh, construction jobs uh, together now for us. I believe, first of all, God is calling us to build an altar of worship. We obviously are a worshiping community, but the heart and soul of our mission 
is worship, the, the, the musical variety, but lives of glorifying God. Dan uh, Setterfield, who is probably here somewhere, member of this church, Dan um, sent me a prophecy just a few days ago. He was um, in a time of worship, and he said, I suddenly found that I could see beacons all over this region. And uh, there were uh, uh, small fires all dotted around the town. And these were beginning to spread a bit like wildfires, funnily enough, very on message. As this was happening, we were singing the refrain from here for you, which says, you alone are holy, only you are worthy. God, let your fire fall down. And I felt the Lord was saying that the fire will fall as we lift him high, as we lift up his name. I felt God say that as Guildford is set high like a city on a hill, the fire that is spreading through the town will fall down onto the valleys around and spread through the surrounding region to reach more and more people. He is commissioning Emmaus to be a catalyst, but it begins by lifting him high in worship. At the heart of our mission for this region is worship. The heart of uh, our mission is not um, a plan, it is the presence of God. It isn't working, it is worshipping. Uh, 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 it's not about spreadsheets, it is about the presence of God. It is people discover that God is alive and in our midst, uh, that everything changes. And uh, an altar, of course, is a place of worship. It's, it's, it's a place of sacrifice, it's a place of calling upon uh, the Lord, and so in the coming year, we really want to grow in worship, and I, I'll, I'll talk a bit about that more practically in a moment. Secondly, we see that Isaac was digging wells, busy digging wells. Isaac uh, was a Middle Eastern man; he's living in a, a desert region, and he knows that without water, all his other blessings will perish. Nothing mattered more to Isaac than finding the life that lurked below the desert floor. It seems to me that God has done so much for us as a church this year that it would be quite easy for me to stand before you today on Vision Sunday and simply say, more, faster, higher, further. But instead, I believe that God is saying to us, less, slower, deeper. Build altars, dig wells, dig deeper in your lives, dig deeper in your families, dig deeper in your communities, dig deeper in prayer, dig deeper in relationships, seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You take care of the depth and he will take care of the breadth. And that is why, you know, every year we sort of name the year after an inanimate object. Last year was the year of the door for the reasons you've just heard. I, we've had nets and boats and all kinds of stuff over the years, tents. And we are declaring this year the year of the spade. Uh, I know it probably doesn't sound that exciting, and that, that's been our problem. But we, we've sensed the Lord speaking to us through this passage about digging deep, digging wells, about construction work uh, this year. And um, 
we were sort of wrestling with it, but we were, you know, saying, can I really stand in front of a bunch of people and say, woohoo, year of the spade, wow, you know. It wasn't as good as, I mean, our favorite was the, the year of the rescue boat. We like that one. Spade, are you kidding me? But let me just say what happened. That was a Monday night. We, we sensed the Lord speaking to us about that. We agreed on it. And then on the Wednesday morning, we were in a time of prayer. There's a guy called Roger Ellis there. Many of you will know Roger. He's one of the people who speaks into our church from outside, challenges us, uh, gives us input, uh, gives us accountability outside of ourselves. If any of you ever get completely fed up with me or the leadership team, go and talk to Roger, and he'll bash us about for you. He likes doing that. And, uh, you know, we love Roger. And Roger was in this prayer time. He knew nothing about what we'd been praying about, what we'd been um, discussing two nights earlier, the year of the spade, digging in. And he just starts to pray. He prays for Emmaus. It wasn't even a prayer time for Emmaus. He said, I just feel I've got a word from Emmaus. He said, I believe God is saying this year is a time to dig in. It's a time to get your spades out and dig deep. And it was one of those like jaw on the floor, gasp moments, like of all the things he could have said. And I can't tell you how encouraging it is when there's a sense of just the holy God, as Mike said, just confirming the thing that you've been sensing from him. Emmaus began in a little prayer room with a very small group of friends. Long before there was any staff, anyone paid to do anything, long before we had any kind of venue or building, that's where it all came from. And my sense is that God in this coming year is calling us back to the prayer room, back to listen and to seek, to ask and to dream, to dig deep, to draw water up from the desert floor because without the water of God's presence, all the other blessings are meaningless. They'll die. He is calling us as a community to lead in the area of prayer in this region and even in the nations. Our, uh, you know, key relationship with 24-7 prayer perhaps makes that inevitable. People are looking to us to lead in prayer at a time where the Spirit is mobilizing prayer in the most extraordinary way in the nation and the nations, and a time where more and more people are turning to prayer because when they turn to their newspapers, they are so desperate they don't know where else to go. It's amazing how many people have been gathered to this church because of this call that we have to pray, to intercede. People who are within this church, many come to see Sam and me regularly and say, I feel this call to prayer. What do I do with it? Uh, we have other people who are relocating, even internationally, saying there's a thing on you guys around prayer. And, and so it's wonderful, you know, thank you, the way that we all use the prayer room. It's wonderful, the kingdom come nights. Uh, it's wonderful, prayer is deep within us. But the day that we tick that box and say we've cracked prayer, we're in deep trouble. My observation in the life of Jesus, my observation in the life of the apostles and the early church is that as, as the church was growing explosively, what did they do? They said, we are going to commit ourselves to prayer and the word. They didn't say, wow, we've grown to 3,000 overnight, let's party. They said, we must focus even deeper on prayer. And so this is the least rock and roll thing ever. But as I said earlier, at a time you might expect me to say more, faster, higher, I'm saying less, deeper, slower. We must push even deeper into the place of prayer. 
digging our wells. And so I have a very exciting announcement to make. And uh, I've been dying to tell you this for ages. And um, it, it's sort of amazing, really. But um, you, many of you will have uh, come across Jill Weber, uh, who, who's, um, you know, I think we've got a picture of Jill coming up, who's, um, uh, I think the halo is accidental in that picture. But um, <laughs> Jill, Jill uh, leads um, an extraordinary house of prayer and Hamilton in Greater Ontario in Canada, and uh, has been doing that for, I think, 15 years. She's an extraordinary spiritual director. Uh, I, I've lost count. I think, I mean, it's more than sort of 20 people that she's, and pastors that she gives spiritual direction to. She's sought out. She uh, now is uh, the international convener of the Order of the Mustard Seed, which is the sort of religious order that we're, many of us are part of. And um, she is just the most extraordinary sort of ninja prayer warrior, you know, gets up at 4 a.m. to pray every day for three hours. You know, she is just an extraordinary woman of prayer, of spiritual direction, spiritual formation, Ignatian sort of tools and all that stuff. And um, sh you have no idea how loved she is in her city by the, the churches, by her own community. And... The Lord has spoken to her and told her to leave there and to come here and be part of us because of this call to dig wells and to go deeper in prayer. And so at enormous cost, she and her husband, Kirk, are relocating here at the end of July. And uh, we have asked Jill if she would be our um, head of prayer and spiritual direction and she's going to be available to us to help us grow and go deeper and dig those wells in our own lives of encounter with God. She's also going to uh, gather um, a whole sort of house of prayer, a whole community of intercessors. We've already heard about one person in Canada who said, if Jill's going, I'm coming. And, and this is a sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a expert in theology. I think she teaches theology. She said, I'm coming. And, and th there's a sense Jill's just going to sound the trumpet here. And we are going to, around her, around the things the Lord has given us and called us to, build uh, a house of prayer in this area at a level way beyond anything that any of us have yet seen. And there, there are whole aspects of that vision I haven't I can't, I can't tell you yet, but if I did, they would blow your minds. But for starters, uh, when, when Jill felt the Lord call her, uh, we were like, this is, this is incredible. This, she, she, she brings a very different kind of spirituality. We love the diversity. You know, we have you know, Anglican background people, Baptist background, free church, you know, Salvation Army. We have all sorts Pentecostal in this church. And uh, she, she brings a very um, a fresh kind of spirituality. And um, I, I think you, you're just going to love having Jill around. And so we are so excited uh, about that development as we seek to dig deep in prayer. What does that mean for you and me? Well, uh, for some of you, it'll mean a lot. You know, a lot of the people have been coming to me recently and saying, I feel called to intercession. What does this look like? I feel called to, you know, a spiritual direction. What does that look like? And so on. Uh, and, and I've been able to say my answer to you is two words, Jill Weber. Um, so that, that, that's going to help a lot of you. But um, 
but, but what does it mean more practically for the rest of us? Well, my prayer is that in a year's time, each one of us will have dug deeper in prayer. We'll have risen higher than ever before in worship. We will be able to say, I think I know God even better than I did a year ago. I think I'm hearing God's voice more clearly. I, I, I'm experiencing more of his power and his presence in my life. I'd love to see an increase in dreams and visions and the prophetic, not just amongst all of us lot, but amongst our children. I, 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 you know, I read my Bible and there is so much more that God has got for us. And this stuff does not come through us clenching our buttocks and trying to manufacture it. It comes as we push into the presence of God and pray for his kingdom to come and open our hearts and create a landing pad in faith for his purposes to be outworked in our lives and our world. That is the place of prayer. Good? You happy with that? Good. Thirdly and finally, uh, Isaac... He built altars, so we want to push into worship. Remember Dan Setterfield's word about fires spreading throughout the region as we do that. Uh, Isaac dug wells, and we, we, we see that as a metaphor for prayer. And so we are really going to heavily invest in a prayer in the coming year. Uh, and and um, if, if you're excited by that, good. If you think that sounds a bit boring, good. You won't. Uh, and then thirdly and finally, Isaac pitched his tent in the place of God's blessing. And um, there's a lot of places we could go with, 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 with that image. But very, very practically, this speaks to me about locality and about community and um, about venues. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that two of our venues we're going to lose in the next year. We're going to lose, uh, we're almost sure that we're going to lose the founder's studio just across the road there. They finally got planning permission uh, to knock it down and build boring old flats. Um, but God bless them. And, um, and, and um, so that's interesting because that venue gets used all the time for midweek clubs and alpha and you know, after school things and prayer room and whatever. And then uh, at the same time, uh, we've been effectively handed notice on Allen House, um, and so we're going to lose that as well. And if it was just one of those, we'd think, oh, rats. But was it's two, we're thinking, goody, it feels like this might be God. God must be doing something. And uh, so we're going to have to find new premises for all of our midweek stuff uh, in, in Guildford uh, this coming year. And um, we don't have a definite yet. Uh, we have one very interesting live conversation I can't tell you about yet. If it comes off, it would be really, really exciting as a potential center for prayer and for training. It would give us a context in which things like the, the lighthouse in Woking, we could do the same thing over here in Guildford in this place. And um, it would uh, position us in quite an extraordinary space in uh, this uh, area. But it, it, we're just at the very early stages of potential negotiation right now. So I, you'll understand I can't actually name names. Uh, if that does or doesn't come off, we are almost certainly going to have to spend uh, many thousands of extra money in the coming year uh, just simply you know, covering 
replacing Allen House and the Founder Studio because we had very good deals on both of those. And so, uh, you know, if one of our great extra costs in the coming year is bringing Jill Weber in and developing the prayer vision, another of them is going to be just making sure that we've got you know, a venue uh, uh, that can really be fit for purpose as we continue to grow and move forward. And so, um, uh, you know, um, last year we deliberately um, allowed ourselves to go a bit into reserves uh, just because we knew we had all these open door opportunities and we felt we needed to step through them. But uh, we, you can't do that two years in a row. And so this year we've got to, you know, balance our budget and we want to do a number of new things. Our big priorities in terms of spend are this digging in in prayer uh, and really developing the house of prayer vision and bringing Jill in and so on. Uh, second priority is pitching our tent. It is, it's, it's securing the venue. We would be um, foolish if we knew that we were going to lose these two venues and we're doing nothing. We have got to have money in the banks so that we can just get the facilities that we're going to need in the coming year. And, and thirdly and finally, our priority financially is any of you who've got half a brain for business will understand that when you're growing at 36% in a year, if that's to be sustainable, you're your turnover has to, has to grow with it, has to increase quite substantially. And uh, we're, we're a very effective uh, organization. Everyone's pulling their weight. We have the best staff team you can possibly imagine. But we do believe we need to dig in quite practically as well as spiritually in the coming year to make sure that the continued growth is sustainable and deliverable. We are part here in Emmaus of an extraordinary story. You know, it's wonderful to be part of a church that's growing so fast. But my prayer is that every church would be growing this way. Imagine it if, if in prayer and through unity and through generosity and sacrifice, we could not just grow this church but raise the sea level in this whole region so that every church grew it by 36%. This next, if that happened, we would officially be in revival, by the way. If every church in this region could grow by 36% next year, the, whole, the world would be saying, what is happening in that area? Well, if God can do it here, he can do it anywhere. That's why we've got to pray. We've got to work with others. We've got to bless others. Well, I, I couldn't give a stuff about the Emmaus Road brand, but I care deeply about the reputation of Jesus Christ, and I'm more convinced than ever that he is the hope for every life of every man, woman, and child in this region of the world. And so this is not a time to hold back, but it is time to push forward with great faith, with great sacrifice, with great commitment to one another and to the word of the Lord. And together, I believe, his kingdom will continue to come. So we're here to respond. This is what we sense him saying for the coming year. Dig wells, build altars, and make sure you've got somewhere to pitch your tent. <laughs> and uh, to do that, uh, we, we are going to have to increase our income quite considerably. And Bill and Christian are going to come and talk to us about just the nuts and bolts of what that looks like. But let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we love being part of your story. We love being caught up in your kingdom. We thank you for the privilege of using our time and our money, and all that we have for your glory. Thank you that whatever we do for you lasts eternally. 
And we pray now, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us about what you are calling us to give so that we can move forward and we can go deeper into your presence in this coming year. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If after listening to this talk, you would like to give to the vision of Emmaus Road, no pressure, but you can do so by heading to www.emmausroad.com forward slash give.